Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear a recorded message from the 2022 Single Moms Retreat by lead pastor, husband, and father, Nick Gray. In this episode, you will hear about Pastor Nick's story of being raised by a single mom, the great influence his mom had on his faith journey, as well as priorities that parents can implement to help children grow to love God. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, ladies. Anybody having fun so far? Anybody? Come on. Um, Like they said, I'm Nick. Uh, I get to pastor Reach Church here in Alexandria, of which uh, we have a number of our ladies here. Can you just give me like a woo if you're here from our church? We love you and so glad that you're here. Uh, This is my first time ever at Single Moms Retreat, if you can believe that. So seriously, I walked in last night and I was overwhelmed. Like you ladies have something super special here. I walked in last night and the worship started and Donna and the worship team, I mean, come on, right? Yeah. They started singing. And when you guys sang that Brandon Lake song uh, that we did again this morning, Fear Is Not My Future, anybody else that just ministering to you this weekend? They started singing, and I just started crying over here. I mean, powerful. And then Lindsay came up last night and just preached the house down, didn't she? Can we just thank her for her word? That was amazing. It was amazing. Um, And honestly, uh, I am so honored to be here. Um, A couple years ago now, Carol Lund, uh, me and her were sitting in her office and talking, and I said, Carol, if there's any way I can ever uh, serve you in single mom's retreat, let me know. Um, And she said, actually, there is. Would you you come speak? Um, And when she said that, I was just blown away. I mean, I I am truly honored to get to be here and speak to you all today and to share a bit of my story. Um, This is a huge honor for me. And to get to be alongside just crazy woman preachers is amazing. I literally, my wife was watching our kids last night, and I was like, honey, you have to come back this afternoon and hear Lindsay preach. So uh, honestly, I'm so honored to be here. Uh, But a little bit about me, this is my family, if we have that picture Ah, there it is. Uh, That is my lovely wife, Reba, right there on the right-hand side. Do we have the second picture of her? She is the love of my life. It says, crafting makes everything better on her coffee mug, okay? Uh, We met at North Central University. Um, Literally, it swept her off her feet. We met swing dancing on Thursday night, okay? 10 to like 2 a.m., a bunch of people would go to this uh, swing dancing place. Um, And I was too intimidated to ask her to dance, Like, she's a year older than me. She was on the traveling worship team. She's gorgeous, talented, and she came with a buddy of mine, and I was like, I am not going to ask her to dance. I will not. I'm too afraid. And my buddies, they pushed me at her. So I almost headbutted her, okay? Like, pushed me at her, and I was like, oh, um, would, uh, um, would you dance with me? And so then we danced, um, And I was like, never again, never again. Uh, But there was a bunch of like other people. It wasn't just North Central. It was this swing dancing place in downtown Minneapolis. So there was drunk guys. There was like covered in sweat guys. So I was a pretty good pick for the night. And she then, a couple songs later, says, hey, I love this song. Will you dance with me? And so then we did. And uh, 
Uh, God has just created a beautiful family. Like I said, she is the love of my life uh, and has taught me so much about God and so much about his love and his commitment to us and how we are the bride of Christ. Uh, So much of that has been taught to me through her. Uh, And then we have my babies. We got Liam. He just turned seven in April. That's him with his Vikings hat. This is actually on his birthday. He got that shirt and that hat. Uh, He is just as sporty as can be, uh, pretty much just like me. So like go, go, go all the time and drives his mom crazy. Uh, But I love him just so passionately. Then we have my second son, August. He just graduated preschool last week. Uh, So that's him and his preschool school gown. Then we have my baby girl, Rowan Lee Gray. That's like a few weeks ago eating a cupcake, okay? And she just steals my heart. I mean, just lights up a room with her smile. Uh, Literally every morning I get to wake up with her as uh, Reba's still sleeping, and I just get to just watch her just shine. And it's just, honestly, these pictures encapsulate uh, pretty much uh, the second commitment of my heart. Jesus is one, but they are all the rest of it, okay? Um, And so that's a little bit about me and my family, and I think they are in the back. If they are, would you wave? Otherwise, they're like changing. Yeah, right over there, back middle. Hi, babies. I love you. Um, So Now, I would like to answer the question all of you have probably been asking ever since you saw the promotional material for this event, and that is, why in the world is there a young man speaking at Single Moms Retreat? Okay, how many of you will be honest and say that you asked that question, okay? Rightfully so, rightfully so. Like, they put my picture up there, and all my pastor buddies are like, uh, why is your picture on the single mom's retreat promotion? Like, should we know something? Like, what is going on? Do we need to come and counsel you? I was like, no, okay, it's all right. And so the reason that I get to be here and speak to you all, and hopefully I pray just inspire your faith, is because of this woman right here. This is my mama. That is her. Donna Lee Gray. Uh, She was a single mom, and she is my mom. My sister is sitting here in the front row with me this morning. This is our mama. So that's me as a teenager with her. You see, I got dancing from my mom. Uh, Literally, I can remember being five years old, and my mom is the one who taught me how to dance. She said, someday you're going to meet a woman, and you need to know how to dance. So we would put on, uh, like, the Bee Gees or something, and in the kitchen, we would sit there, and she taught me how to slow dance. That's how I learned. Uh, And this is at, I think, like a special Olympics ball or something like that, that we're actually dancing and taking that picture. She also, in the bottom right, that's her on a missions trip. Uh, She went down to, like, a retreat center for Samaritan's Purse because she led the Bring Hope ministry at my church, uh, which was like our Operation Christmas Child. And we went on mission trips uh, back to like New Orleans when they had the hurricane. She led that trip. Uh, So uh, she is just amazing. Um, And I can honestly say that I am here today and I'm the pastor of a church and the husband of a wife and the father of sons because of two things. First of all is the grace of God. Jesus has transformed my life. He has changed me. He has renewed me. He has made me into everything good in my life. Everything good in me is from him. 
But secondly, the reason I'm here today is because of my mom. I am the man that I am today because of her. Thank you. I am who I am today because of her. Because I believe with all of my heart, without her, I would not know Jesus. And I would not be here today. I would not be married to the love of my life. I would not have three beautiful babies. She transformed my life because she helped me fall in love with Jesus. And the reason that it's so special for me to just talk about my mom and uh, talk up my mom and say how dear and beloved and how she transformed my life, literally she was my favorite person in the entire world. The reason it's such an honor for me to talk about her is because uh, my sister and I lost her to lung cancer about 11 years ago. These are some of the last pictures I have with my mom. And as a kid, I was a mama's boy, okay? Like, complete. Like, un- I wasn't even ashamed about it, okay? I loved my mom. I, we literally, one of my favorite things is that my mom would take me on mother-son dates every like four to six weeks, and we would go to Perkins, and she would order the chicken salad, I would order the eggs benedict, and like every month we would go, and it was literally our mom and son date, and she was teaching me how to date. So I would open up the car door for my mom and close it after she got in, and then I'd run around to the other side. I'm like 10 years old doing this, so I can't drive yet. When I could drive, then I would drive. But, and then I'd get in the other side, and we'd go, and we'd sit, and she'd say, okay, now ask me some questions about myself. Ask me about my week. Ask me how I'm going. And I would, I would do that. She literally trained me how to date my wife, okay? Um, and so we would do that. And then, you know, before I had a job, she'd be like, okay, now you need to pay. So here's the money. You're going to take that. You're going to go up to the cash register on the way out, you know, and we'd go out. But she, she was just my favorite person. I mean, I think everything good about me came because of how she taught me how to love Jesus. And she taught me how to be a man of God. And it's, you know, sometimes you think, well, Moms, like, can they mother sons? I have a session about that at 11. You can. You can. You loving a son is enough. You just being the mom that God created you, his Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be, is enough. And so I'm so honored that I basically this morning, I just want to talk about some of the things that my mom did that shaped me and made me the man I am. Because I just want to say from the top, ladies, you do not need to be a perfect mother. Somebody say amen to that. You do not have to be perfect. You do not have to have it all together. You do not need to have the perfect schedule. And you wake up like perfectly awake at six o'clock in the morning and you do your devos. And then your kids wake up on their own at seven. And then you have plenty of time to get them out the door to school or church or wherever you're going. Like you, my house was not like that, okay? It was crazy. It was chaotic at times. It was messy. You do not need to be a perfect mother because we have a perfect father. He is good enough. I love, Lindsay quoted it last night, but 2 Corinthians 12, if you want to jot down some of these references, I have scripture for you this morning. Starting in verse 9, I love this passage. It says, but he said to me, this is Paul speaking, my grace is sufficient for you. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, his grace is sufficient for you. 
That is his unmerited favor. It's enough for you. Because he says, my power is made perfect. That means made complete, made whole. It is finalized. My power is made perfect in weakness. So therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, no perfect moms. Look at them again and say, only a perfect God. He is perfect. He is sufficient. His grace is enough. So today, you don't have to be a perfect mom. You don't have to have everything together. We simply just need to follow God and allow his perfection to make up for our weaknesses. Because I grew up with a single mom Basically, her story is she got pregnant with my sister. She's 10 years older than I am. Uh, And when my mom told her dad that she was pregnant, he left. He was gone, out of the picture. My sister didn't see him again until she was 18 and tried to go find him and didn't really receive the response she was hoping for. Then 10 years later, my mom is dating my dad. She gets pregnant with me, um, and my dad is, uh, was a welder for 28 years. Uh, he smokes like a chimney, drinks like a fish, still to this day not a Christian, and he doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in marriage, doesn't believe in the family, says, doesn't want a family, didn't ever plan to have kids, and here I am. So I understand, like, dad issues, okay? Like, I get it, I know. God has worked through so many of them in my life. And now I get to have a family where it's a mom and a dad. But I'm just going to tell you, a family that has a mom and a dad isn't perfect either. Sometimes God's power is actually making up for the deficiencies that are there because somebody else is there. Like there are some deficiencies that I have as a father that God's perfection has to make up for for my family. I honestly believe my mom would say it a lot that God was probably sparing me from some more issues being that my dad wasn't in the picture because he has a very addictive personality, still addicted to many things today. And I just can't even imagine what my life would be like if I would have had him as a daily influence. We basically, he would take me fishing like one time a summer and I hate fishing hate fishing. He would take me hunting in the fall. I love hunting though. I was all up for that. Maybe he would make like one ball game in the summer, you know. Wasn't there a lot, but there's no perfect families, and so you don't have to be a perfect mom. But today, I want to talk about some ways that we can allow God's perfection, his grace, his strength, his faithfulness to come through in our lives so that you can be the moms that God has created you to be. And so the title of my message today is this, Reclaimed Parenting Priorities. I had to go with the title because it's just so good, okay? I want to reclaim our parenting priorities because how many of you moms will say that you don't have a plethora of extra time in your life, okay? 
So doesn't it make sense that we just kind of make it simple? Like, like, let's get to the number one priority. That's all I'm going to talk about today. The number one priority. If you're going to be a mom to children, a single mom, like, what is the one thing that is most important? You guys are so smart. That's what I want to talk about today. If we, if we need one thing, what is it going to be? So I'm going to look at a couple very familiar passages of Scripture, maybe apply them a little differently than you usually hear, make them a little more practical to you, and then I have just some easy applications that all of you are going to pick one of and then hopefully do something with, and God would transform your life and your parenting leaving here today. Does that sound good? Good. So let's look at God's Word. Again, familiar passage of scripture, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Probably my favorite passage in the Bible, because it tells me what's my one thing, okay? Like, I can be very distracted. What's the one thing I need to focus on, God? Here it is. So, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So here the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus, trying to trap him, trying to stump him, trying to like gotcha on Jesus, okay? And it says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all the law and the prophets, all of the commandments to us in the Old Testament, all of it are fulfilled with these two things. So the Pharisees ask Jesus, hey, what's, what's the one most important? And Jesus gives them like a one, two-part answer, okay? Love God and love the people around you. He says that for every Christian, for every Christ follower, if we want to be all that God has created us to be, if we want to have that abundant, overflowing life that Jesus promised us, he says the number one thing, the most important thing, the highest priority for every person is that we love God with all of our heart. And then we simply allow that love that he has shown to us to be transferred through us to the people around us. So the number one priority of our life is that we would simply just love God. And so if that is true, that means that the highest parenting priority, the number one thing for you as a mom raising kids, the number one thing you should be concerned about for your children is simply that they love God. That they love God. Our number one parenting priority must be for our kids to love God. Really, that's it. Like, if you're wondering, what is God's purpose for you? It's love him and love people. If you're wondering, what did God create your kids for? What did he design them for? It's to love him and then show that love to the world. To be transformed by that love. And so the number one thing for you moms My message this morning is just real practical. Lindsay like just got right to the heart and God purified us and stripped so many things last night. But now I want to just move it into our hands a little bit. The number one thing that you should be concerned about and I should be concerned about over our kids is that they love God. 
And the reason that's important is because there are a lot of other things that we can get distracted by for our kids, can't we? Like, I don't know, like safety, okay? I have two boys, and they climb everything, right? Like everything. I'm surprised one of them isn't like climbing a pole in the back right now, okay? Like everything, We can get distracted by safety, or maybe uh, we get distracted by, I don't know, like um, their uh, grades or their obedience, right? Like, hey, do they do what we tell them to do and ask them to do? And when we say to do something, do they do it? How many of you, like me, struggle with getting your kids to do what you tell them to do? I wish I was going to a breakout on that today, okay? Like, seriously. Last night when we were going through the breakouts, I was like, I am giving a break. Can I go to these? Like all of them, just all of them. So ladies, go to the breakouts today. They are going to be powerful and incredible. But we can get distracted by so many things. But if the most famous passage of scripture is true, we need to focus a little bit. The most famous passage of scripture, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, will not perish but have eternal life. Ladies, if this verse is true, and I believe it is, there is nothing else on the planet that even comes close to the importance of our kids believing in Jesus and loving God. If there is really a heaven prepared for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus, to which Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But if there is also a real hell where every person in history that has not believed in Jesus, if that is the place of separation from God for eternity, nothing else matters Nothing else can even pale in comparison, right? We can get distracted by their grades, or are they on the honor roll, or are they behaving in school, or then they start meeting the opposite gender, right? And like, oh, do they have a boyfriend or girlfriend, or who are they going to marry, or what are they going to do for a career, or who, what's their life going to end up like, right? Like, we can focus on all these things, especially when we get in it. Once our kids are in school or they start dating, we can get so focused on all these things. But the number one thing is that our kids just simply love God. And so, how can we parent, how can you parent as a single mom today, making the one thing the one thing? Making sure that our kids love God. That's what I want to talk about uh, for this second half is just, okay, let's make it practical. If we really want our kids to love God, what can we do? I want to share with you some things that my mom did and that she modeled to me that inspired me to love God. Because like I said, I would not be a pastor today if it wasn't for my mom that taught me what it was like to be a man of God. I would not be here speaking to you today if it wasn't my mom who demonstrated these things for me. And so I have seven things that just kind of make it practical. How do we prioritize our kids loving God? How can we help them love God? How can, how can we just make it so it's not about religion and it's not about just attending church, but how can we make them really love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? That's what I want to talk about. And I know seven things can be overwhelming. So here's my ask of you. Just pick one. 
Okay, I prayed that God would impress one of these on your heart, heavier than the rest, and just pick one. And then spend a few weeks trying to do that one thing. Can you guys do that? Can you do that one thing? I know you can. Because seven things, I'd be like, oh, where do I start? I can't start anywhere. I'm not doing anything, right? Let's just, let's just let the Holy Spirit take one thing and say, okay, God, I want to do that. Holy Spirit, would you help me do this one thing as I leave here this weekend? As I raise my kids to love God with all their heart. Hey, single moms, you're invited to be part of the 2023 Single Moms Retreat on June 2nd and 3rd at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota. Join with other single moms from across the Midwest to relax, refresh, have fun, and be encouraged. Enjoy main sessions with Jennifer Maggio, Rebecca Hagen, Nick Gray, and worship with Reba Gray, multiple breakout sessions, as well as incredible giveaways like our Diva Boutique personal shopping experience, a spa, car care, haircuts, professional headshot photos, a one-mile walk or 5K run rollerblade or bike, the Girlfriends Night Out Party with a special performance by music artist True Serva, and more. Our hope is for every attendee to feel extravagantly loved, seen, and encouraged on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. We also have lots of fun opportunities to volunteer, including for men to join the car care team. Invite your family, friends, or church small group to come and serve with us. Register to attend, volunteer, or donate at mnbtg.org slash retreat. That's mnbtg.org slash retreat. We'll see you there. So number one, how we can prioritize our kids loving God is one, model a relationship with God. Model a relationship with God. That means that we have a relationship with God. A active, intimate vibrant relationship with our Heavenly Father every day of our lives. Because we can't lead anybody to do what we haven't already done ourselves, have we? We can't make somebody else do something we're not willing to do. I mean, with kids, we can hardly get them to do what like, we try to do and do every day, right? But I can tell you, it is powerful when a parent... A mom, a dad, a single mom, a single dad show their kids what it looks like to have a relationship with God. A mom who reads their Bible. I literally, I opened up my mom's old Bible in preparation for this and I just looked at all the highlighted parts through it. And I read through it from time to time. And I just look at at all the notes she wrote in the margins And I remember, my mom wasn't perfect. She wasn't super, like, disciplined, type A like I am. But I remember nights, like after dinner, she would just go and grab her Bible, and she would just be there. Or my mom, she played piano and sang. She wrote songs, and she would literally take psalms and, like, put melody to it. And I remember those things. Her sitting at the piano just worshiping Jesus. I would say that there is nothing more powerful, ladies, in you parenting your kids to love God than you just to love God. Because we know more is caught than taught. But if you love God and you show them that, you have your devotions, like what Lindsay said, four days a week transforms a life. Four days of doing devotions 
Three days, a little bit. Two, not a lot. One, but four days. What if we weren't even perfect at that? If you're like, oh, this is a struggle for me, and you're like, I rarely spend time with God. What if we could shoot for four a week? I believe your life would be transformed. Like, what if we just make it our habit for our kids to see us reading God's word and see us worshiping and see us praying, right? What would that look like in our lives? How would that transform maybe our patience? You know, a fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. When we tap into God, He comes and bears fruit in our lives. So what if, like, all the rest of the stuff that you want to be actually isn't your responsibility to do? What if God is simply inviting you into this intimate relationship where you sit with Him and you pour out your burdens and you cast your cares on him and you just journal out all of your issues and things that you're working through and then he began to produce fruit in you because scripture says that if we just abide in him he produces the fruit in our lives right so what if we model a relationship with god what if we do that and this is challenging to me because i'm a pastor my wife is a pastor but just because we're pastors doesn't mean we have like perfect uh, devotion records in our whole life. You know what I mean? Like, there are days where I wake up and I don't want to spend time with God. I'm like, oh, I'm too tired. Oh, the kids woke up like 15 times last night, you know? But um, I go to counseling too. I started about six months ago. And my counselor, he's a Christian counselor. Yeah, we can clap for Christian counseling. It's amazing. He gave me the same advice because so often like we're like oh well I feel like I read the Bible but I didn't get this profound thing out of it like my life wasn't changed like I didn't see a burning bush you know like nothing was lit on fire like it was just I just kind of read some stuff but that's okay just allow God's word to come and like water going over grains of sand just carrying it away uh, just creating the pathway for his love into your life it's transformative on its own Do it four times a week, and he will begin to transform our lives. And so let's just model a relationship with God where we're spending intimate time with him. Matthew 5.16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others. What if the light of our love for Jesus shined to our kids every day? That they may see your good deeds, which usually we think of like, oh, like serving people or like giving money to this or that. But there's no greater deed than being in an intimate relationship with Jesus. So let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There is no greater deed than spending time personally with God. And let's let that shine into our families, into our homes. Amen? Amen. Number two, the second thing we can do to prioritize our kids loving God is to love them. To love them. And now that seems super simple, okay? You're like, well, obviously I love them. I know that you love your kids with a passion because there is no love like a mother's love. Like, I know it because I see it in my wife. I look at her and like go to sleep at night and I'm like, I wish I could love as deeply and passionately and as devoted as you do. Like, I try to be the best father I can be, but a mother's love is something, like, they literally, like, I think moms can, like, lift buses if a kid is in danger. Like, I think there's studies that prove that. Like, it's superhuman the way you can love your kids. But what I want to encourage you with is that that love is powerful. 
That love is transformative. Do not diminish or belittle the power that your love can have on your kids. Because there's a verse, it's not on the screen. Romans 2.4 says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness to us is what leads us to repentance. Not his rebuke, not his correction. It's his kindness. His, His unconditional love for us is what leads us to turn towards him and turn from sin and begin following God. Love is a powerful, powerful thing. 1 John 4.19 says it. It says, we love because he, God, first loved us. We love God because he loved us first. Though while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And your love... You being the demonstration, the example of God's unconditional love will transform your kids. The way that you love them after they've failed will change their lives. The way that you go and hold them when they have a scraped knee will change their lives. There You know, my mom, like I said, she did devotions, but my mom did this. She loved me completely and my sister completely. Like there was never a question. And like I said, my mom wasn't perfect, okay? My mom had issues of her own. She was a little bit of an enabler, okay? Like I was the youngest, the baby, and like I could pretty much like get anything I want if I begged long enough, okay? Like... And it's terrible. I look back now and I'm like, oh, I'm so sad that I did that as a child. But but it was true. Like, she loved and she had faults. But beyond a shadow of a doubt, she loved us. And I believe that seeing that in her is what made me and my sister follow Jesus today. That allowed us to know what it's like to be unconditionally loved. Despite what you do or your mistakes or your problems, your issues, your sins. Mothers, your love for your kids will transform their life. So just keep loving. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, just keep loving. Keep loving on those little babies. Because 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8 is true. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Your love... God's love being demonstrated through you, it is not going to fail in your kids' life. It is powerful. Number three, how do we prioritize our kids loving God? Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. James 5.16 said the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I believe that that verse is true. Undeniably so. That means that you praying for your kids is powerful because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I think we can read that verse and like, okay, the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And we're like, oh, but Jesus, you know I'm not righteous. I just sinned this more, you know, like I got all these problems going on. But if we understand 
what it means to be saved by Jesus Christ. That is, that we put our faith in him, we believe in him, then he takes our sin and he pays for it on the cross. Completely, your past sin, your present sin, your future sin, all of it, he pays for it. He cancels the debt of legal indebtedness, Colossians says. If he took all of it, that means you are righteous because then... He gives you his righteousness. It's this imputed righteousness that when we put our faith in Jesus, that moment that we turn to him and call on him to save us from our sin, it means that we become Christ's righteousness. When God looks at you today, he sees perfection. It's as far as the east is from the west. When he looks at you, he sees Christ's righteousness in you. So when you as a mom go before God and pray, it is powerful and effective. My mom prayed, but honestly, the greatest example was my mom's mom. She was a prayer warrior. She was like five foot three, The sweetest, most soft-spoken woman you'd ever meet in your life. But she prayed. Like, every morning. I remember, we'd spend the night at her house. You remember this? And we would walk out, and she would be in the living room, praying over every grandchild and child. Like, everyone, by name. And we got a lot of grandkids. She prayed for every one of us. And I believe that those prayers were powerful and effective. And my grandma never saw me go to school for ministry. My mom never saw me become a pastor. But I believe that their prayers for my grandma and my mom given every day for all of us kids and grandkids is the reason I get to stand here today. And I get to be an ambassador of Christ. Prayer is powerful. Pray for them. And you don't have to make it long. Like, what? I always tell this to myself. Praying for each kid for 10 seconds every day is more powerful than me setting out to want to pray for them 15 minutes each every day and doing it once every six months. Okay? Consistency is powerful. When we start to do things out of routine, pretty soon, okay, well, I did 10 minutes, and now I'm a few weeks in, and now, or 10 seconds, and now I'm at 20 seconds, and now I'm at 30, and it becomes a delight. Like, we can't go to sleep without it, but we just start it. Small beginnings are valuable. Just start small. Start anywhere. Start with anything. Bible reading, start with one verse a day. Do verse of the day and just get it rolling, okay? We try to like build these big bridges. We just need to lay little bricks. Little bricks transform a life. Number four, prioritizing our kids loving God, is help them love church. Help them love church. The church is the partner to you in parenting. That is literally what we try to do with kids ministry. Like, we are trying to come alongside you and not have you the only person that says, hey, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother, okay? We want to come beside you and say, kids, you need to honor your mom and dad. That's what God says. That's what he instructs us to do. We want to come and support you as parents. And I love what Lindsay said last night, that we are coming into a generation that wants to say that the church 
is meaningless, that it's pointless, that it's disposable, that we can live our life without it. And that's because people have been hurt by church. Literally, one of my goals as a pastor is to be a church for people who don't go to church. I want people who've been hurt by the church to come to my church because I've been hurt by the church. My wife, her dad was a pastor and family in ministry, all of them, and they have some massive church hurts in their past. And so God put a burden on us. We want to be a place for people who've been hurt by the church because we want to love them. And also we want to tell them, hey, we're not going to be perfect, but God is perfect. We aren't going to be a perfect representation of him, but I hope you know that you're loved and cared for, that you're valuable. So help them love church. I hope that all of your kids love church because it's going to be the partner. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is one of the things my mom did best Because she instilled in us that we were going to church. And we were not only going to go, but we were going to be a part. And I grew up loving the church. She literally changed churches because of me. We went to a house Baptist church when I was in elementary school. Meaning it was just this small group, usually like 10 people. Sometimes we got up to like 30. But there were no kids when I came into fourth grade. I was the only kid in the church. And my mom left that church that she loved... And she started looking around, and we landed at the Assemblies of God Church in North Branch, Minnesota, where I'm from. She changed churches for me, and it changed my life. At that church is where God captured my heart, called me into ministry. I was actually, so I grew up in North Branch, grew up in the youth ministry. I grew up coming to this camp. I was called into ministry to be a pastor the summer after seventh grade, right here. Right here. Because my mom made the sacrificial choice to go to a church that maybe wasn't her favorite, but she thought that I would love. I have parents sometimes that like, you know, especially as teenagers, as a teenager, like it's hard to find the place where you fit. And I've had some parents come to me and say like, my teenager just doesn't seem like it's fitting in your youth group. Like, is that, I just, just don't know what to do. I said, you do what's best for your child. If that means that they don't go to our youth group, send them to a different youth group. If that means you need to go to another church, go to another church. I bless you. I send you out because as a parent, there is no greater priority than our kids loving God. So get them in a church that they love. Let them be a part of picking it. My mom literally asked me, okay, we've gone to like three or four. Which one did you like? And that's the one that we went to, okay? Make sure it is a Christian church, okay? Christian church. Jesus is the only way to heaven, okay? Christian church. Like, Look up a few, and then go check them out and make sure, okay? But beyond that, let them pick the youth group that they go to. Like, we think the church is so, like, stuck. Like, we are the body all together, the bride all together. We're all in this together. So find where your kids love going. Let them pick. Let them love church. And then, oh, I need to say this, Ephesians 5 
powerful verse. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. I put that verse up there for you to know Jesus loves the church. Jesus cherishes the church. And we are seeing a generation that thinks the church is irrelevant because unfortunately there are some extensions of the church that have seemed irrelevant. Where we become about our religious duty and not about encountering the presence of God and being transformed by Him. But Jesus loves the church. It's not disposable. It's not optional. Us being a part of the church is God's desire for our lives. We need to be a part. And I know that my life was transformed by it. Because number five is to have your kids serve in the church. Have them serve. I think we like think, oh, like, yeah, that's just a church thing. They say, oh, we want everybody to serve. Why? Because we need somebody to serve the donuts. No. When we serve, we look the most like Jesus we ever can. When we serve, we are literally being like Jesus. Matthew 20, 28. So just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a a ransom for many. Jesus was a servant. He chose to take the place of a servant. He served all of his life. And so, get your kids serving. Serve donuts with your kids. Serve on the greeter team at church with your kids. Serve on the cleaning team with your kids. Like, just serve right alongside them. Do kids check in with them. Serve in the kids' ministry with them. Like, wherever you can, just serve with them. Get them plugged in. Because that's what, really, my call for ministry came from. I got called through a vision up here on this stage, and then I just started saying, okay, what can I do? And I started out ushering in youth ministry, and then I was doing this and doing that, and I just just served. Serve and let your kids be like Jesus. Number six, pray, worship, and read as a family. Now, this doesn't have to be, what's our hour-long devotion for the day? No, like, just, what if you start verse of the day, one verse, that at dinner time, you're going to sit down and you're going to read the verse, say what it means. The scripture method I encourage is SOAP. S-O-A-P. Scripture. Observation. What does it say? Application. What do we do? P. Pray that God would help us do that thing that we just said is our application. Pick a verse and we do it. But just... just Get them apart as a family. You know, we know the verse, uh, Proverbs 22, 6, it's not on the screen. Train up your child in the way they should go. But training is a really interesting word because, like, we know weight training, right? Like, some of us are like, oh, no, you know. But that means to do it very repetitively. Like when we weight train, we pick up the weights and we do them as many times as possible so that the muscle that it's working gets stronger. What if we train our children to spend time with God and it is something that is so frequent, so routine, so repetitive that it becomes just a natural strength for them? What if we make prayer? Just something that is so routine, so regular, so repetitive, that it's just the natural strength 
for our children. This is challenging to me. The Holy Spirit right now is like, Nick, you can get better at this. You can do better. But remember, ladies, one thing. One thing. Do that for a few weeks. And then you can look at your notes, do a second thing. But what's the one thing? Because experiencing God together is powerful. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That wasn't new to Jesus. He was quoting Deuteronomy. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Last night, Jesus dealt with our hearts, cleansed us of some things. But he wants his word to be on our hearts. It says impress them on your children. So it starts with us. We model the relationship. And then it says, hey, impress them, teach them, show them to your kids. It says talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It says, hey, everything about your life, let it be about loving God. That's why I love, I hope some of you ladies in these gift baskets get like the signs with scripture on it. Put it all over your house, okay? Bible's telling you to go get a scripture sign and put it up. But what if we love God so much that it just trickles down to our kids? Because there's no perfect moms. You're not going to do it perfectly. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have days where you don't pray. You're going to have days where you don't spend time with God. But I believe that the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. And we just had a beautiful morning. His mercy, his forgiveness, his kindness is new to you today. And God isn't sitting there saying, oh, you know, you really should have been doing that. You know, yep, you, you hear what pastor's saying? God, the perfect father, is simply inviting all of us and just saying, hey, I love you. Would you come and just spend time with me? Would you come and just, just be with me? He doesn't want anything from you. He just wants to be with you to wrap his arms around you every day and fill you with his love and his goodness. And number seven, as we're prioritizing our kids loving God, is just trust God. Because scripture says, God is a father to the fatherless. Psalm 68, five. He's a father to the fatherless. I can tell you today that I do not model my fathering after my father. I don't, even if I would have had the most godly human father, I wouldn't model everything after him. I hope my kids model a couple things after me. But I have the perfect father that taught me how to be a father. So single moms, if you have sons, God is enough of a father, a good enough, a perfect enough father for your kids. Trust them to him in prayer. 
trust them to him. Because my mom, I was 20 years old when she passed. She didn't get to see all of her prayers come to fruition. But I know one day I'm going to stand right next to her. I'm going to say, Mom, all of your prayers, thank you for them. Because they made me the man that I am today. I want to leave you with this verse and then uh, pray over you. Is Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus because He is the author and perfecter of our faith. You are not the Savior of your kids. Jesus is. You are not the perfect parent of your kids. God is. He's the author and perfecter of your kids' faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God is good enough for your kids. He's faithful enough for your kids. So if I could, I want to pray over you and your relationship with God, but can I also just pray over your kids this morning? Father, I come before you for all of these women who you dearly love, who you created, who you care for. And God, I pray that you would bring a freshness into their relationship with you. God, I pray that you would bring an intimacy into their time with you. God, that you would help them to understand your love and your grace. God, let scripture just come to life, come to life as they study it and they spend time in it with you. God, I pray that you would just, just, cultivate just new fruit in their life and their walk with you, I pray. But God, I want to pray over every baby that is represented by the ladies here today. I pray that you would be their God. You would be their Savior. You would be their strength. You would be their comforter. You would be their teacher. You would be their guide. You would be their source. You would be their foundation. God, I pray that you would let them just love you. God, let everything we do as parents be poured out so that our kids would love you. God, I pray for every baby. God, I pray that they would just, just grow up knowing you, seeing you in their moms and, and seeing you in the church and how you love them and care for them. God, I pray that you would let them follow you. God, draw them to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridging the Gap podcast. We are honored to hear Pastor Nick's message on reclaimed parenting priorities. If you are in the Alexandria, Minnesota area and are looking for a church, check out Reach Church by going to reachchurchmn.com. We also want to remind you of the 2023 Single Moms Retreat being held on June 2nd and 3rd at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota, where Pastors Nick and Reba Gray will both be ministering. Check out mnbtg.org slash retreat to register to attend, volunteer, or donate. Learn more about Bridging the Gap at mnbtg.org by downloading the Bridging the Gap app through your app store or by following mnbtg on social media. We also invite you to take a moment to rate and review this podcast to help others find this resource as well. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time on the Bridging the Gap podcast.